Welcome to Our Calcutta. I'm Kelly Burt. And I'm Amanda Livermore. We are two cradle Catholics who had major reversions to our faith in our adult lives. After encountering Christ in this real way, we began searching for ways to best serve and love Him. We soon discovered that our world around us, where our Father has placed us, is where we are called to serve. These are our experiences, and we hope that by joining us in Our Calcutta, you'll discover a little bit more about yours. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Our Calcutta, the podcast where we discuss living our faith and serving the Lord right where we are, in our homes, in our work, and in our community. This service sometimes looks perfect and amazing, but more often than not is messy and crazy and imperfect. So join us as we journey this crazy life together. Amanda and I started talking about our second episode, and we decided that we needed to discuss the elephant in the room, which is this pandemic, COVID, and how has it been for both of us and all of you over the past few months? So Amanda, I throw the question to you. (laughs) How has life been since March for you and your family? Okay, well, first of all, I definitely did not think we would still be here talking about this at this point in time, right? Oh I gosh, In yeah. March, I was the one saying, in a couple of weeks, everything will be back to normal. Then That's I- because our <laughs> listeners should know that Amanda has an <laughs> insane Pollyanna situation That's going true. on. She goes to the best case scenario all the time. Every time. <laughs> and that has been put to the test over the last six months because I kept saying, okay, but surely by next month, things will be uh, back to normal. And thus far, no luck. But uh, it has been been really such an unbelievable time. But man, haven't there been some challenges that have stretched us and um, certainly for me, stretched me in my faith, but also some incredible graces. So um, I've just been thinking a lot about that. Kelly and I were talking a lot about that. So what was it like for you? Well, okay. So another thing that our listeners should know, in addition to Amanda being very positive, is that (laughs) um, I tend to be the opposite. So I'm like, we're all going to die. But actually, at the beginning of this pandemic, I am very much an introvert. I love being home. I'm a homebody. I love it. So this was like the best thing that has ever happened to me. I'm like, wait, we get to be home all the time. This is amazing. So I was living my best life. I mean, I was at home on my couch where I want to be. I was with my dog and my kids and it was March. So the weather was beautiful and the house was open and the, I enjoyed time on our newly renovated back porch. So things were really, really good for me until <laughs> about June. <laughs> and then the weather got hot and I went negative. So I just experienced what probably everybody who's listening has experienced this incredible restlessness. You know, at this point, you know, I've been watching mass on TV for weeks now. I haven't left my house. When I do, I'm in a mask. So that's new. And, you know, so there's just these different feelings. And I, you know, I kind of actually do have to say, like Amanda, I was in denial because I'm thinking, okay, everything's gonna be fine. We're gonna go back to normal. I think a lot of people felt that way. And so just for us and for our family, things started to get a little, you know, we're starting to, we're we're getting tired of being in the same, same house together. And, um, just so you all know, I have two teenagers and an 11 year old. So, um, just going to leave it there. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, looking at my kids, just feeling for them because knowing that, yes, they may be a little grumpy today, 
but they've also lost so much. They've had school taken from them. They've had friendship that they, you know, would see people on a daily basis and all of that. And everything's been kind of taken away. And so you have, you know, you're trying to be a little bit more patient with them. So that's kind of what I started. The path I started going down is just this realizing how much that I I had lost and looking at all these things and just kind of really feeling sorry for myself. And then I began to ask the question, you know, God, where are you in all of this? So then I kind of started to look back over the last couple months and see where he was in all of this. You know, there was some some definite bright spots, which I think we'll circle around to later. But I just kind of wanted to circle back to Amanda and see, like, how was that time for you during that that March through June period of time? So as Kelly is an introvert, I am total extrovert. I love hugs. I love people. I love being around people. I love new people. I love people I knew for a long time. It's amazing. We're friends. Sometimes (laughs) Kelly and I will be together and she'll say, I've had enough people. I need you to leave. (laughs) I had to teach Amanda early on that I, I, I get to a point in the day where I'm done talking. So at first she was like upset because she thought it was her. I'm like, no, it's not you. I just have no more words. I have I'm no done. more words. I'm out of words. I'm like, I have all the words. I'll just. <laughs> so anyway. Amanda leans in when right. she sees you getting quiet. Like, what's wrong? Why are you sad? And I'm right. like, I can't. I can't. I have no more words. So, so for an extrovert, almost right out of the gate, this was so hard. So those of you who are extroverts, I'm sure can appreciate that. I had a really hard time. People started giving me their elbows, and I was like, I don't even know what to do with that. Um, I'm not going to bump elbows with you. I just want to hug you. So this was really difficult. It was difficult because I have two amazing grandparents who are in their 90s and I couldn't see them. I wasn't able to see them on their birthdays or their anniversary. And that has been so, so hard. We've been really careful with my parents as well because um, my mom is a two-time cancer survivor. So we've been having to be really careful with the time we spend together and even, you know, wearing masks around each other. And uh, so that felt very difficult. And I kind of resisted that a lot. I would get angry. And probably each week, the time I was angriest was on Sundays. Uh, So (laughs) (laughs) I had a really hard time with not being able to attend mass in person. This is just, you know, not something the, the Eucharist had become so central to my life and our lives. Kelly, I know that's true for you as well. And it felt like overnight that was stripped from us and I had a really, really hard time with that. So Sunday mornings would come and we would watch mass on TV and I'd be real mad about it the whole time. And then it would take me till about the afternoon to kind of get out of it, to stop being mad. (laughs) I felt abandoned. I felt, I felt abandoned. That's the only word I can come up with. And I had a very, very difficult time with that. So I did reach out to a former spiritual director of mine who I knew both loved the magisterium of the church and our bishop and would be loving and respectful about him and the decisions he had to make during this time, but also loved the Eucharist so much and would not try to diminish the need for Eucharist in our conversation. So I called him and he just gave me such a beautiful response that I had to keep reminding myself of because there were some moments that I believed it more than others. But he said to me, said, you know, the Eucharist, um, all of our sacraments were given to us as a gift by God, but the giver is more powerful than the gift. And so right now you're not being asked to judge or decide if this is the right way this was supposed to be done or how this was done. But right now, just trust that as somebody who's hungering for the Lord, 
that the giver is so much more powerful than the gift and the giver will be able to satisfy that hunger in a different way or use that hunger to help you grow. And so I really had to keep going back to that, uh, mostly on, on Sundays, but even throughout the week as I really longed for for the Eucharist again. And it did. It did stretch me and it did remind me. Uh, we had a, a friend who reminded us, you know, of our families that we serve in the Dominican Republic, and they don't even have priests there with them on the mountain. So they'll go months at a time without Eucharist. And it's such a joy for them when they're able to receive the Eucharist. And so in that hunger and that thirst for the Lord, I was able to really pray for them and offer that for people all over the world who this is their reality every day. So that's kind of one of the difficulties that turned into a grace. But Kelly, you were saying um, when you asked, where are you, Lord, that there were some other places that you really saw him. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in regards to mass on TV, it's funny because when it first started, I was kind of shocked at my sort of my apathy to mass being offered on a daily basis. You know, before that, we could have gone any day, anywhere really in our diocese. And even before they closed down, somebody texted me whose uh, husband works at the church and said, if you want to, if you want mass, you should go today. I'm just letting you know. And I, I was thinking, oh, that's, you know, I'm busy with other things, like even, even that. So when it was taken away, that was really hard because it just increased, uh, as Amanda said, desire for the Eucharist so much more. And at first I was definitely like going all, all like, you know, saint hopeful on it, like thinking of all these saints who couldn't access the Eucharist and, and muscling my way through that, thinking this is going to make me a great saint or something. And just really becoming more frustrated as the weeks went on. But then also knowing that, that we'd be back together again, I think for me, it's so ironic because, you know, talking about how I'm an introvert, but for me, the Eucharist, but also the community aspect of Mass, I love my parish. I love my pastor who's now gone to Savannah to become a bishop. We're very excited for him. But, you know, I just was really, really missing that, that community, that family that, that we've developed there at our, at our parish. So as I was kind of going down these, you know, negative thoughts, as I mentioned before, I began to look at the ways that the Lord had shown his light to us during this time. And, you know, Amanda and I have this, as we mentioned in our episode one, um, we have this privilege of being employed at Bishop Moore Catholic. So our ministry is um, to the teens and to the family and the families of Bishop Moore Catholic. And so during this time, we got real creative with our ministry. You know, we can't be face to face with our students, which was was kind of heartbreaking in itself, but we can do other things. So I have to give credit to Amanda. She's, she, I think I would have like curled up in a ball and been like, that's it. That's we can't do anything. It's over. But Amanda kept pushing us all and saying, you know, we can, we can, we, we need to do this. And so we did um, lots lots of virtual things with our virtual retreats and, and virtual, you know, we put out videos. And during that whole time, our campus ministry team really rallied together to minister to the community. And through that, they completely ministered to us, I would say. So one of the things that we did was we began this rosary and we would do a rosary every day at four o'clock. I thought Amanda was crazy when she suggested <laughs> this. I'm like, you want to do a rosary every day live on Facebook at four o'clock? We had I'm to like, do our hair every day. <laughs> every day hair and makeup. But at first it was just Amanda. So I'm like, good luck with that. And then she did that for like two weeks. And then she's like, Kelly, you should help. I'm like, dang it. So I offered to do Tuesday, Thursdays. And so, you know, we'd have to get all dolled up because as we mentioned, we, <laughs> there's still a bit of vanity that we are working on. 
So we'd go on and do these rosaries live on Facebook. So understand, you know, here we are live. If anything happens, if our doorbell rings, if our dog barks, if our kids come in the room, you know, whatever, the whole thing is blown up. So it's it was a lot of stress thinking about doing this. And we would have a guest each time. So we'd have to use technology to connect with this guest wherever he or she was. So technology sometimes was awesome and sometimes was horrible. So there was just a lot of things that could have gone wrong there. A lot of things that, a lot of reasons why maybe this wouldn't have worked. But we did it and we did it every day at four o'clock. And I have to tell you that I was so inspired by the people who would watch our rosary, by the people who would pray with us, by their intentions, by their commitment every single day there was you know a handful of people that would continue to pray and um, and I realized how much that need for community that I was missing from going to mass was really provided for me right there via Facebook of all places so that was just really one place where I saw God's light and I realized you know as Christians we can't be stopped we can't you know we can stop going physically to mass but we're, we're within the body of Christ like we are the church and so we're praying every single day day. And that was powerful for me. So I just saw God through each one of those people who were praying by each one of our guests. Um, and they would make comments, you know, thank you so much for having me. And this really meant a lot. And and to us, I think I can speak for Amanda, it was us that, you know, were the, the privileged ones. So I don't know if, if that was kind of the, the same for you, Amanda, if you were able to see God's work through that as well. Oh, absolutely. And it was so amazing. Kelly said one of the things that she learned was that we cannot be stopped, which is so true. And the Holy Spirit really just, I think, came in big during this time. And to see the way that our campus ministry team and our faculty and staff at Bishop Moore and you know, everybody was so inspired. You know, I think we sometimes in our lives and our daily lives, but also in our work, get stuck in this rut of this is how things have always been done. And even sometimes when it is not necessarily the most effective approach, because it's just what we're used to and we're afraid, we get paralyzed to try something new. A friend of mine, a coworker, calls it paralysis by analysis. We're so afraid to do something new because we're analyzing all the ways it could go wrong. And overnight, we didn't really have a choice. The choice for us was, you know, we have this mission that we've promised these families at Bishop Moore, and we have to still live that mission. So we've got to do new things because none of the old things are going to work right now. So to see the way the Holy Spirit inspired through each of my colleagues and gave them not only inspiration, but courage to get out there and to do this and to minister, we reached so many people in so many beautiful ways with God's love that way. And now we're keeping many of those things as we move forward, right? So some of them, really worked. And we said, okay, now this changes. Even if we do go back to normal, there is no going back. There's only going forward. And so we can take with us then the the graces and the gifts that God gave us during that time. Also, though, in such a, a simple way, our lives had gotten so busy, at least in the Livermore house, April was going to be insane for us. I'm talking gone every weekend, either work trips or personal trips. Um, every night we had something, you know, Bishop Moore is such an amazing place. There's always so many activities going on. And so... I had really lost all of my boundaries in terms of family time. And I was, uh, and and Jason too, in his work, um, he was traveling so, so much for work. And immediately overnight that stopped. And I think what happened was in that the Lord revealed to us what it was that was worth protecting. So in these days and weeks, and months where we were all home together. We were getting up in the morning and praying, or I was getting to read a little bit before I started my work day. Uh, Jason and I were 
going on runs together, you know, and spending that time together. I was cooking with the kids and teaching them things in the kitchen and spending time with them and playing games. We've played more games in the last, you know, four months. And it was so good. And it was, I didn't realize what we were missing until we got it back because it had been a slow creep. This busyness had been kind of a slow creep into our lives. So we have committed to each other and have asked our friends to hold us accountable to this too of, if and when things go back to normal and there's evening events again and weekend things and sports and, you know, all of these different things um, that are all good things, but that we cherish and protect the vocation and the one really good thing that Jesus has asked of us, which is to love him through our vocation of marriage and motherhood and to really not be apologetic about making that a priority. So I definitely saw God in that. And as a matter of fact, I want to share with you um, as we kind of come to the end of our time together today, a little bit of some of the resources that were were good for us, Kelly and I always want to leave you with something. We know we're only we know we don't bring all the wisdom um, by any what? stretch. <laughs> so we want to tell you um, anything we say that's good is the Lord and probably something we read somewhere else. So <laughs> the Lord um, and yes, the Lord and and in this case it was the Lord and Father Jacques Philippe, um, a book that I had read early on in my reversion, but then also read again during the pandemic during all of that was searching for and maintaining peace. And I love this book for a couple of reasons. One, because it's really small and it's, you know, kind of written in a way that it's in chunks. So um, it's very deep, but it's small. So you're reading kind of one paragraph. For me, I would read kind of one paragraph or two paragraphs a day and let that really sink in and impact my life, change my heart. And then the next day, go back and read the next piece. But that book was so great at helping me to recognize the voice of God in peace. So even when things are difficult, even when I'm not happy, even when it's a Sunday and I'm angry because it doesn't look the way that I wanted Sunday to look, that the Lord is speaking to me through his peace and that I can recognize his voice. I love that. I hope to dive into searching for and maintaining peace. Uh, Amanda and I are supposed to be reading this book together with a group of our friends right now, and I have failed miserably. So um, I'm really looking forward to reading that one. For me, I did not, I'm surprised that I didn't do more reading during the uh, stay at home order time. I am typically a reader, so I'm surprised that I, I didn't. But one book that I continue to come back to and reference is The Discernment of Spirits by uh, Father Timothy Gallagher. He also has a podcast, and he kind of walks through the rules of discernment. These are sort of based in um, St. Ignatius's rules of discernment, that, and he, Father Gallagher, outlines them uh, and then does some commentary on them in the book. So good. It, it's so good. It's hard, but it's good. I think for me, the reason I go back to it continually is because, especially during a time like this, especially during a time where we've been separated from the Eucharist, separated from our, our parishes and our, and our faith life and all these external things that keep us connected to our faith, you know, going to Bible study or whatever it is, I think that gives gives the, the enemy of our souls, the devil, the opportunity to creep in there and speak some, some untruths to us. And so when we're in the, you know, walking in this, this journey of the Christian life, it's important to be able to discern which is the voice of God and what is not. And so it was helpful for me to have that understanding of the different things that, that work spiritually, you know, these spiritual realities that, that we know um, we have. And the different voices that I'm hearing, you know, the one that says, 
who cares about mass? You don't need to go back. Or your bishop doesn't care about you. He shut down mass. You know, these things, these are not from the Lord. This is not, these are not the messages that, that are important to hear. And so just to be able to find that voice of God, that still soft voice that's speaking to us and telling us what the actual truth is, the truth that our faith is important and that we will get back and that we will heal with this together. So Discernment of Spirits by Father Timothy Gallagher was a great one. We recommend that. I recommend that. At some point, hopefully, we will. I will read Searching for and Maintaining Peace. <laughs> Don't tell our other friends. That's right. That's right. I wonder if Father Timothy Gallagher knows that we have a podcast. Maybe he wants to listen <laughs> to our podcast. We should, we should call him. We should invite him. We should definitely invite him. I will say, too, one more thing I want to mention because our priests... As much as we love community and I think about them and their vocation. So during this time, we were able to really dive deeper into our vocation. And as Kelly was speaking, I was thinking about our priests who really were also separated from all of us and how difficult that must have been for them at that time. And still now as we're social distancing. So one fun thing that Jason and I did, and it was kind of, again, an accidental grace, you know, not accidental on God's part, but accidental on our part. We started once a week to send Uber Eats dinner to one of our friends who's a priest. And then we would have virtual dinner with him. So we would FaceTime him with our family and set up the iPad on the table and he would have dinner delivered to his house (laughs) and we would have dinner and we just would have an hour, hour and a half dinner together. Um, And he said, oh my gosh, the way my schedule is, you know, usually like something like this is going to be a great way for me to connect with families even long after the pandemic. So I encourage you to reach out to your priests, pray for them as much as we missed them and, and missed going to mass. I think you know, we're such an important part of their vocation. And so I think they missed us as well. And so I'll certainly include them in our closing prayer. Kelly, any final thoughts before I pray? No, thanks for being with us today and listening to our experiences of quarantine life. (laughs) I'm sure there were many other crazy moments uh, that we've forgotten, but we hope and pray that you all have stayed safe during this time. And we will continue to pray for all of you. And so we close in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, thank you for the gifts of this day and uh, for the gift of the way that you speak to us in the challenging times and in the joyful times. Lord, we know that even when things are difficult, even when we can't hear you or feel you, that you are there. And so I ask for all of our listeners today in a special way that they can feel your presence, that they can believe with their whole hearts that you are there loving them um, and that you are calling each of them in a particular way to bring your will to this world and to live your love. We ask all these things in your heavenly name. Amen. Amen. Saint Mother Teresa, pray pray for for us. us.